0: The high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell, slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle
1: of unopinion. My name is George Lamb. I'm Richard Serrett.
0: This is Gotti Willis.
1: I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast AM. It's great to be here. Welcome
2: to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the
3: one that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris. I'm the Craig Robertson to your John Cusack that we're currently recording this episode from a hot tub, Paul, and drinking banned Russian energy drinks. Very true, Chris, because this hot tub is going to travel
2: through time today and i'm very excited for it
3: i guess they went to the past but we're going to the future
2: we're going to the future but the hot tub, i think went both directions it is a bi-directional time machine potentially yes regardless we are going to be listening to the interview of uh george nori interviewing Stephen schwartz about his studies he conducted using remote viewers to look into the future both years 2050 and 2060
3: All right, so we're looking like 30, a good 30, 40 years into the future.
2: Yes, we are. And apparently his remote viewing sessions have some pretty intense predictive power, Chris, that we're going to get into. He's predicted a lot of things. That's all
3: I'm going to say. I'm excited about this. We haven't really done any fortune telling yet.
2: No, the only remote viewing we've touched was Courtney Brown from Emory University's, uh, there's a giant spaceship behind uh, a comet, which turned out to be fake. But let's talk about some real remote viewing today, Chris, because Courtney Brown's a scammer.
3: Yeah, I I was going to say, we don't have a great track record of remote viewing on this podcast, but we really only have one other case, so... Let's give a second case a chance.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll see what we think after this one if uh if we're buying it on on if we do believe all of these predictions that are happening. But before we get to that Chris, we do got to check in with our good friend Tim Banal at the Coast to Coast AM blog. Tim, time. Today's article, astronomers listen for alien response to message sent into space 40 years ago
3: can you imagine if we found a direct answer back
2: that would be awesome if we actually got like a hey
3: what's up yeah well like whatever the the message was it was like oh hey nice to meet you humans we're the whatever race and and we look like this and we have this type of civilization really sounds like you got a nice planet over there mind if we come visit please
2: do from the article, Chris, a team of astronomers in Japan are listening for a possible alien response to a message that was sent into space 40 years ago. The intriguing attempt at interstellar communication reportedly began back in 1983 when astronomer Hasashi and Masaki relayed a series of radio signals to the star Altair, which is approximately 16.7 light years from
3: Earth. That's interesting. So, and the message should have arrived to a planet circling that, that star, supposedly. Yeah, I by guess by point.
2: now it would have hit, right? I mean, it's yeah. been 16.7 right. light years away, but yeah. uh, it was, yeah. So you know, would it would have hit potentially we should, should be listening for a response by now.
3: Is the message
2: traveling at the speed of light? Probably not though. Well, if it's a wave, waves travel the speed of light, right? I don't know. I think that's how that works. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that
3: is right, but
2: okay. Keep going. All right. The message, which was sent by a telescope at Stanford University, consisted of 13 drawings intended to convey humans' presence on the planet, as well as insights about our species and
3: civilizations. Do you think it's a smart idea to, like, give out a map and be like... Here's all of our weaknesses We're You know, this little
2: fleshy beings. This is actually a very interesting question because one of the theories about why we haven't interacted with any alien life, because a lot of people who say, if there is other life out there, where are they? Um, is that it's, I think they refer to as like the dark forest theory, which is everyone is hiding in a forest and nobody wants to make a sound for fear that other people will find them because civilizations are inherently violent towards each other
3: right that's interesting yeah so we're over here like throwing giant flares out being like look at us over here and people are like what are you doing you idiots
2: yeah we're the
3: sending messages
2: we're the the dumb kid in the horror movie that's like walking around the empty street filled with vampires yelling and then everyone's like hiding in their house it's like kid get him stop stop doing that yeah like, yeah. I do get a little worried about this.
0: Where is
3: everyone at? <laughs> Where'd everyone go? I'm all alone. Shut your mouth. <laughs> get inside.
0: Hide.
2: Picking up the mantle of the of his predecessors, astronomer Shinya of the University of Hyogo has assembled a team which will attempt to detect potential ET answers from the decades-old missive.
3: The the Japanese are so much better about honoring their ancestors. (laughs) If somebody did something even like three years ago in America, we would crapple over it and like figure out a new way to do it and waste a ton of time.
2: Oh, yeah. I would. You would never follow up on someone else's work. You have to start fresh,
3: dude. Yeah. they like, oh, they sent sent this message 40 years ago. They suck. (laughs) We're going to send a new message in a satellite built by Elon Musk.
2: Dude, our continuity doesn't even last like the current business quarter, let alone multiple years or decades, you know?
3: Right, yeah. It had to be the Japanese.
2: While receiving such a response would undoubtedly be a fantastic and earth-shattering development, that would be an understatement, I think, one would be wise to temper their expectations as the group will be using the telescope belonging to the Japanese space agency known as JAXA. Great name for a space agency.
3: I'm a little disappointed that we didn't really get a reason as to why they sent the message to this star cluster in particular. Was it just that it was close?
2: My guess is that it's because it was close because um, I know most star clusters are really far away. So this may be the closest one so it would be the fastest result.
3: But if there's nothing there then we're not getting a message back.
2: Yeah, but I mean we don't know if anything's anywhere, right?
3: I think I guess technically but but if it's just like we we probably now know more than when we sent the message and so we should be able to tell is there even a planet that could support life in this solar system is there even a solar system or is it just kind of a floating star you know in the middle of nowhere right with no real planets around it
2: yeah like is there a planet in what we refer to as the goldilocks zone that we think would best support life yeah which although in in defense of them you know it's the closest one probably so we gotta we gotta hit it and then also we we have no idea what supports life we only have one example you know
3: that's true. Jupiter could
2: potentially one day have giant flying like mantises or something in its cloud giant planet thing. I don't know. I'm losing it.
3: I think but- liquid water. I think liquid water is one hell of a guess. It's I a good that's guess. One, it's one hell of a great guess. Liquid it's a water. Good guess. I, I like it. It's a great solid and a lot of it. You need a lot of liquid water. It feels right. It feels right. Yeah, I feel that that one feels good to me.
2: Yeah. Well, they're going to be using the telescope belonging to JAXA, the Japanese Space Agency, which they are only allowed to use for one hour on Tuesday nights. That's lame. Not a very long time to get a message in, Paul. Yeah, that is not, Chris. That is not. Beyond that incredibly narrow window of opportunity, there is some question as to whether or not they may have already missed an answer from the aliens as the original message presumably reached Altair sometime around 1999. And if the ETs responded immediately, their reply should have reached Earth approximately eight years ago. Oh my God, what if we missed the window? Dude, I bet you we did. They're not gonna sit there and send a message for eight
3: years straight. I don't know. I don't know what the protocol is in intergalactic Morse code. Yeah. I just imagine if there is an intergalactic
2: civilization, they have to have some sort of like wormhole subspace communication because this would be so inefficient.
3: Oh, it would be awful. It would be terrible. It can't, it cannot work this way. It'd
2: be so bad. I mean, but like you said, I think this would be Morse code to them, where it's like, oh, this is the baby civilization just getting its, you know getting its wheels off the ground a little bit so maybe they are prepared for something like this do you even respond like what do you what do you even respond back with more pictures or you respond back with schematics for how to communicate with them more efficiently (laughs) that would be helpful
3: there you go that's what you do it's like all right this sucks dude
2: yeah these guys are so lame here's how to make a wormhole and just come visit us
3: Here's the thing, though. Here's my thing, though. We already know so much about this, and I keep on saying solar system just for lack of a better term, but we know so much about this place. We already have the answer to the question. There's probably nothing here.
2: Yeah, that's fair. There probably isn't.
3: But who knows? It was like, oh, man, there's a planet 17- Light years away, that's in the Goldilocks zone, that's Earth sized, that's a hard rock planet. Like, we all would have heard about that. Well,
2: the other thing, too, is even if there is something there, I mean, how long have we been able to send radio communications? Like, a hundred and something years, maybe. And we've been around for four billion. So, what are the chances that we perfectly overlap with another civilization's ability to send messages?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be so brutal if they were like completely being destroyed right as we (laughs) were getting our come up. So like they're just completely gone by the 1700s. So that like by the time we get into the early 1900s, even if we had an ability to intercept these people's communication waves, that they're already gone. Yeah. That that's wild stuff to think about.
2: <laughs> it, it would be interesting. It would be interesting. Because it's gonna cause... happen. Yeah.
3: It's it's gonna happen. We're going, if we become a spacefaring species, we're going to run into the cases of the civilizations that destroyed themselves i mean because i mean that happens
2: on earth right where even on earth we do find the remnants of civilization so i don't see why we wouldn't also see that on other planets where maybe the resources were tapped and even if the civilization itself isn't dead entirely like the species that planet may now be dead or those people in that solar system may now be gone you know
3: right right yeah yeah they could like nomads right yeah and i'm sure that exists right like Almost these like harvester beings that just like go into a solar system, stay there for like 300 years and just suck it dry. There's going to be some crazy stuff out there, man. There's going to be some crazy stuff out there.
2: There will. Remarkably. It was only in 2008, three years after an alien response might have been received, that it was even discovered that Hirabayashi and Morimoto had transmitted a series of drawings back in
3: 1983. They're just out there doing it, dude. They didn't tell anyone. I feel like you should need to tell someone.
2: Who would you tell? I just don't like two dudes doing this on behalf of planet Earth.
3: How, you know, they spent... So much time coming up with a system and the pictures and everything to send to a possible other civilization. Like, it really is such a fun nerd project.
2: Yeah, they probably really did enjoy themselves on this.
3: The question becomes, how do you transmit ideas to somebody who has no sense of historical or or even our universal tenets our universal morals what we consider to be universal morals which aren't even technically universal morals in on earth like how do you even convey messages to a completely different entity light years away it's a fascinating mind project
2: yeah no it's definitely interesting and i think that's probably why they use pictures is it's it's similar to how at nuclear waste disposal sites they have pictographs and whatnot instead of just words because the assumption is like if humanity ever doesn't understand english or loses the ability to read or write and regresses in some way even you know, cavemen could potentially see these pictures and say, like, oh, I shouldn't go towards this.
3: Right, right.
2: Be that as it may, though, Chris, Narosawa expressed, expressed optimism that the 40-year-old message may have successfully reached a civilization that could hear it, and that we might still be able to pick up the answer. Quote, a large number of exoplanets have been detected since the 1990s, he observed. Altair may have had a planet whose environment can sustain life. Oh, so it does. Apparently. Apparently.
3: Okay. Okay. And we didn't hear about it. So mm-hmm. there goes my theory.
2: Should that be the case, we can only hope that the aliens will not be offended that Earth has left them on unread for the last eight years. <laughs> that was a good one, Tim. <laughs> that was pretty funny.
3: Timmy. All right, keep going. That's it. We're done. That was it? That's it. I liked it, dude. That was a great article. Some great interesting implications that were brought up by this article. I hope I hope there's a species there. That would be incredible.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh I mean, I guess we would have heard about it by now if since they only had one hour to look, but maybe other people will look, you know. Yeah.
3: Well, and we got to look at other places,
2: right? We can't Actually, put
3: all of our eggs into one basket.
2: Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens, but um, you never know. You never know. We need to start sending more signals out. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. let's roll the dice. Agreed. All right, Chris. Well, are you ready for our our uh, episode today? But before we get to our episode, Chris, let's uh, do a little bit of housekeeping. If you want to support the show, the really best way to keep us on the air, keep us running, is by signing up for our Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, patreon.com slash coast to coast. We have extra episodes. We try to do two to three uh, every month for y'all. And they'll range from extra episodes of this type of show with a, a breakdown and analysis of a coast episode, all the way to us reading uh, articles recommended by George Knapp and commenting on them. So check that out. Support us. Keep us on the air. Uh, if you don't got a couple bucks to throw away, that's totally cool. Share the show. Give us five stars on Apple or Spotify. Uh, and that will help us out as well with the algorithm. All right, let's go to the show. This is the July 19th remote viewing the future episode. George Nori interviewing Stephen Schwartz, a man who really loves remote viewing, Chris. I
3: was going to say, can you tell us a little bit about Mr. Schwartz?
2: So Stephen Schwartz is a researcher of uh, non-local consciousness, and he also considers himself a futurist. Uh, And he conducts studies on remote viewers who look into the future. So basically, he gets a bunch of people to sit down and he tells them, take your consciousness and go to the year 2050 and tell me what you're seeing.
3: Okay. All right. Very interesting. Very interesting. Man, Mm -hmm. we're going to hear some wild stuff, aren't we? We are,
2: Chris. We are. So let's get into it. Uh, And starting out, you know, George, I'm sorry, Paul. One more thing. One more thing. When is this being recorded? This was recorded um, July 19th of 2023.
3: Oh, so this pretty recently. Recent. This is recent. Yeah. Okay. All right.
2: Okay. All right. So we're getting predictions of what's about to hit us, Chris.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But there's there's enough of a buffer, dude. I mean, like, you can kind of get a little crazy with it.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's in far enough away. So to start right. off, George asks him the pretty obvious question, like, hey, what's up with this remote viewing the future, man?
1: So you had some remote viewers look at 2060. How'd you pick that year?
4: Well, I actually, uh, do you want me to start at the beginning of this thing?
1: Absolutely.
4: Okay. Well, uh, as you know, I was in the government. I was the special assistant to the chief of naval operations under a man named Elmo Zumwalt and then his successor, Jim Holloway. And I was also part of the MIT Secretary of Defense Discussion Group on Innovation Technology in the Future. And I left the government in 1976, and I had a young daughter who had just been born, and I began to think about her life and what her life might be like. So in 1978, um, I decided I would do a remote viewing project looking at the year 2050. Now, why 2050? Because if you go too far into the future, you don't understand what they're saying. I mean, if this were say 1910 and you and I were having this conversation and I told you that you were gonna have a device that you could stick in your pocket that would let you call anybody in the world, I mean, what would you make of that? Yeah, dude, I've, I've had this
3: this thought many, many times. Where what would happen if I went back to the medieval age or the dark ages Mm -hmm. or the Greeks and showed them this or that thing or whatever, whatever it is, right? Uh, Told them about some way that something works that they have no idea about that changes the course of history. It's a very fun, interesting thing to do. But I also just
2: thought the the idea that he had though of you can't go too far in the future because you would literally not be able to understand them or right. their technology. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that before with people talking about remote viewing. But yeah, I mean, I guess you know, language does change pretty rapidly. And if you go into the future and there's all this new stuff, you may just be completely confused. It may not be the most helpful thing. But I also feel like I would be able to sort of comprehend it. You know, I don't think
3: it would be that difficult. I mean it would be like going back to the Greeks and telling them there's these little creatures on our hands that can get us sick. It would be crazy. Oh my god. <laughs> they would put me <laughs> They would put me in an insane asylum.
2: I am not doing the germ theory thing again. All right, I'm playing the next clip as you are having a fit over there. I'm playing the next clip. So One of the interesting things about Stephen Schwartz, Chris, is that he actually made his own remote viewing protocol. So our skeptical observers who say, hey, Courtney Brown remote viewed and he sucked at it. You know, hey, this is a different thing. He's got his
4: own protocol going on. I designed a remote viewing protocol called the Mobius Consensus Protocol. And it's what I use to locate archaeological sites all over the world. You and I have talked about this. Yep. So, basically, you get multiple people to do a remote viewing of the same thing, and what you're looking for is consensus and also what we call low a priori observations, interesting things that you just wouldn't expect. So, I thought, well, I will go because I thought when I left government, because I had held high clearances and was access to geopolitical information, I thought we were going to have a nuclear war. The first thing that I began, I got people all over the world. Eventually, I got several thousand people to do this. As I traveled in other countries, I would get people. So I had scientists and housewives and mechanics and, you know, everybody you can think of.
2: Look at 2050 and see if there were nukes flying.
4: That that took a a total
3: turn, that story (laughs) for me. What were you expecting? (laughs) I don't know. It was just like talking about, so I was gathering some people and then nuclear war.
2: (laughs) Which to be fair at that time period, that's, that was a very fair anxiety to have.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's totally true. Totally true. I just was not expecting it. Wasn't ready to go there, but I'm there for it now. It's starting to make sense why he's picking 2050.
2: Yeah, because it's far enough away where if there was a nuclear apocalypse, you know, you would still see it also. Oh, you Uh, can tell, right?
3: Like, the whole world is dead. Okay, something bad happened here.
2: Yeah, this is all just charred.
3: Yeah. I like the idea of just getting a, a whole group of people together and focusing on one thing, one idea, just everyone. We're thinking about what does 2050 look like? And then kind of like Mobius Consensus is such a great name. Great
2: name for a remote viewing protocol. 10 out of 10.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I was like, holy cow. And he kind of did make a Mobius strip of, you know, everyone is is kind of creating the world together. It's like a D&D game of remote viewing the future. Yeah, and he really doesn't discriminate too. It's anyone
2: and everyone can remote view for him. You know, there's not like a Really? Type you don't of have person. to
3: show like any, you don't have to show any kind of like psychic ability. He's just like, hey, you off the street, come and remote view the future with us.
2: That's how it seems to be. I mean, he doesn't talk about any sort of process for picking his remote viewers. It just seems to be average people that he selects who are coming from all walks of life.
3: How do you sign up for something like this? Do you think I, would I don't know, but I really love want to find out. To do it, maybe it's on his website. Yeah, man, I would love to remote view the
2: future, like, and I, I think this guy's doing a lot of it over Zoom too. So uh, I may reach out to him and see if we can get on this hype because it sounds oh really, God. really enjoyable.
3: Oh, let's record it for the <laughs> pod.
2: Well. Speaking of uh, remote viewing the future, Chris, what percent of his data do you think is accurate? Like how many of this, how much of this do you think that he's proven to be correct?
3: I'm going to say he's going to give us a 100% accuracy.
2: Let's find out because Courtney Brown gave us 100%.
4: Yeah, Courtney gave us 100 So Courtney said he's guy. never
2: wrong. So let's, yeah, let's find wrong. out what Steve never says.
4: <laughs> because I knew from the archaeological work and also criminal work solving murders for police, that about 35 or 40% of the information would be unevaluatable, not necessarily wrong, but you couldn't evaluate it. So if the captain was thinking of his wife and children as the ship sank, well, how do you know that? Unless he happened to leave a note or something. But So we know from this sort of research that about 35 to 40%, you just can't evaluate. And the remaining part, you get somewhere between 83 and 90% of it is Correct or partially correct. So if I said the man in the blue shirt and his shirt was actually black, for instance, that would be operational but partially correct. So I had high confidence because I'd done thousands of these things.
3: So 83% of 70% of the time, you can be pretty accurate with this stuff. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Was that clear? I'm not going to even attempt to do the math on that, but we're probably batting like a uh, 50 percent chance of getting the things right about this. Yeah, pretty pretty good, but
2: not ridiculous like Courtney Brown's. Right. You know, yeah. this feels I, more right.
3: Yeah, I like that. I like that. We're gonna get it right about fifty percent of the time. About
2: half the time, it may be something close to what you're looking for. The man's wearing a shirt. It's not gray, like I said. It's actually black, but it's close. That's on the spectrum, bub. <laughs> <laughs> that is a color that a shirt could be. All right. So, do you want to hear some of the uh, the predictions our boy has heard over the years, Chris?
3: I can't
4: wait. All
2: right. Let's let's get into it.
4: Um, it, a lot of it just just seemed almost impossible. For instance, I would say to people, "Have we had a nuclear war?" And they would say, "No, we have not." And I said, "Oh, well, then the world must be much safer." And they would say, oh, no, the world is much more dangerous. I said, why? They said, because of terrorism. Now, in 1978, when I started this, the only terrorism was the fight between the Protestant Irish and the Catholic Irish, you you know, in Northern Ireland. So the idea that terror would become a world problem, I mean, I couldn't make any sense of that. And I said, well, okay, I get that. Well, then, you know, what's the status of the Soviet Union? And they said to me, "It doesn't exist." And I went around to a friend of mine who was the head of the CIA, and I said to him, "Can you think of any possible reason that the CIA, that that, that, that the CIA knows that the Soviet Union would disappear?" And he said, "You know, get real. Where you get this kind of stuff?" Okay, so we're kind of looking from the past.
3: Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, so we're like in the late 70s looking out. He's kind of misremembering the 70s a, a little bit. There was a ton of terrorism in the 70s. People were hijacking commercial planes and flying to Cuba on a regular basis. That
2: is true. That was like a weekly thing. It, he he is acting like no terrorism happened in the 70s. When did the, uh, I mean, the... Uh... The Weather
3: Underground starts
2: in the 70s yeah and there was also like eco-terrorism as well um, yeah there's
3: a ton and that's just in america that's not even the rest of the world
2: yeah so that was happening the other thing that i think is funny is where he was like i went over to my friend who was the head of the cia and i was like you were buddies right. with the head of the cia what
3: just casually just casually getting a beer hey do you think the soviet union's gonna be around to be fair, I do not doubt that a man who deals in the occult on the regular basis has friends in the CIA.
2: I I wouldn't doubt he would have friends in the CIA. Um, I mean, I think I have
3: a friend in the CIA. I don't think he knows the the head of the CIA. Yeah, that's what I he said. Know. I don't know. But anyways, all nothing right. has shocked me too much so far. So all right. Do you buy that we don't have any nuclear war and in- 2050,
2: 2060. I, I do. I think that if we, it was going to happen, it would have already happened. I think that when it comes down to it, we have shown that the leaders may be willing to launch, but the uh, actual people who have to click the button are not. So I I think that we're probably not going to see nuclear war is my guess.
3: I, I feel like we've got a, a tough little uh, section to get through right now. I think it's more of a 10 to 15 year spat that we got to get through that it's going to be tough. I don't know if it means nukes get dropped, but I, I think we're going to see some pretty hairy stuff. Yeah. And I think
2: the risk of nuclear war is definitely higher now right. than it was 10 years ago. Yeah. But I, I still absolutely. don't think we're going to see it. It's not like it's high on my yeah. list right now. Well, you want to know what else uh, he predicted with his remote viewing Chris Aids?
4: And I said to them things like, well, talk to me about healthcare. And they said, um, well, it's very different. There is something about literally altering the genes in humans. And also, the big problem is that there's going to be a series of pandemics. And I thought, pandemics? You know, I'm thinking uh, 1918 Spanish flu. I said, well, you know, tell me about them. And they said, well, the first one will be a blood disease which crosses over from primates to humans in Africa, and it's going to kill millions of people. AIDS. AIDS, yes, of course, but this is 1978. So I went around to a friend who was the Deputy Director of National Institutes of Health, said, do you know anything about a disease that's going to cross over from primates to humans? and uh, could have the potential to kill millions of people. And he said to me, Stefan, whatever it is you're smoking, quit. Jeez. And because uh, I don't know anything about that. Of course, any, he
1: was he dead serious too, wasn't he?
4: Oh, absolutely. And then comes SARS and H5N1, and and now we have COVID. So I th- And we're going to have, according to what the remote viewers are saying, we're gonna have more of these, so this guy's just hitting it out of the park right now.
2: Yeah, apparently he's like batting a thousand, honestly. He's predicted so many of the things that have happened in the past yeah. like 30, 40 years.
3: The fall of the Soviet Union in 1978, huge call. Big call. That's big call. a big, big call. HIV AIDS, pretty big call. Mm-hmm. Um, a general increase in pandemics is one of those things that I think is if you're even just remotely good at sociology, that's just a good call, right? Like the more we destroy the environment, the more we, you know, the more kind of things heat up and stuff, the more the wild is brought to humans, the more diseases we're going to see. Therefore, the more pandemics that we're going to run into, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's not a real surprising one. It's kind of like saying there's going to be a whole bunch of destruction on the coasts of you know countries. It's like, yeah, it's a pretty good bet. You know, at some point, a hurricane or a a typhoon or you know a tsunami is going to hit somewhere on the coast, right? Mm-hmm. That's also the thing too is that
2: I would need evidence that he actually made these calls prior to them happening because what he's doing right yeah. now is prophecy after the facts.
3: Right, right, yeah. Yeah, like
2: yeah. I need a I need an interview from 1975 when you're like the Soviet Union's gonna disappear like in the nineties, man.
3: Yeah. yeah. Where's that? Now that would be wild. That now would be that a cool would, interview. If we have that, dude, I want that. I want I want the interview of somebody doing 2023. Yeah, and then us going through and pinpricking like, dude, this is wildly off. Some might be close though, but again, I think some could be just like sociology scribing. Right, and I have listened to
2: so many people predict the future from 1990s episode of Coast, and they're always wrong. Right. There's sometimes they're a little right, like, but like you said, it's it's kind of just reading the tea leaves. But it's, you know, where it's like vague enough to where you're like, oh, that's sort of fit with society generally getting worse. Yeah.
3: In the next 20 years, there's going to be a big earthquake in the L.A. area. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, okay,
2: good call. And one of the things that he talks about, too, is uh, climate change. and how climate change is going to gradually get worse in the future so this little piece is all about coastal real estate chris and whether or not we want to be investing in coastal real estate
3: right now this is exactly what i'm talking about
4: so the collapse of real estate uh we're going to have a trillion dollar real estate collapse along the coasts because it's already started in florida this is a good example Uh, uh, one of the big insurance companies farmers just announced they will no longer insure in florida so if you can't get your house insured, it's very hard to sell it because the, anybody who wants to buy it, who has to do a mortgage, can't, can't do that because they can't get an insurance policy. That's right. So uh, all this stuff that these people were telling me, which seems so preposterous to me, much of it, uh, as I did research, uh, I realized that what they were describing was what is really happening. I think my dude using a home phone yeah
3: that that was a home phone <laughs> tone. yeah that was
2: like a landline beep like his cheek hit the the keypad
3: <laughs> yes yeah that was like an old school that joker is probably corded to the wall i love that you just grabbed that too i like i actually <laughs> missed that <laughs> That was silly. I I, I don't even know what he said, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, like I said, like this is just like people who can kind of look into the future just a little bit. Like, yeah. As things get crazier and we have put so much real estate right on the coast, like, that was probably a bad idea. And then what did we do? We destroyed all the natural barriers that stopped the worst of the wind and the rain and the flooding. We've destroyed all that. We put concrete everywhere. It's like, yeah, this is all bad. Yeah, and like the entire state of Florida is like at sea level.
2: So if sea levels right. rise, yeah. Florida's just covered in water. So... Right. It yeah. does. It, it makes yeah. sense. Like, these are predictions scientists are making. You don't need a remote viewer to tell you this.
3: And quite honestly, as as many times, like, especially it's a huge problem in South Carolina, because one of the big problems is that they've done so much development in, in floodplains. And I, these are like, fl- like every five to 10 years, you're going to get a decent flood. Yeah. Right. And they just keep on rebuilding this over and over and over again. And we're paying for that. Like Mm -hmm. we're collectively all paying for people to keep on rebuilding in these terrible spots. And it's like, we just need to stop doing that. Tell them, sorry, you're all going to have to move. It sucks. It's terrible. But like, we can't keep subsidizing you rebuilding your house every three years.
2: Yeah. It gets a little silly at some points. like that. You just need to, this is nature saying live somewhere else. Yeah. Right. Please, please live somewhere else. Well, Chris, you, you've been sounding a little skeptical I think yes. of these predictions. Yeah. So let's talk right. a bit more about 2060 and see if we can get some points to actually follow up on, you know, in 40 years.
3: I'm not skeptical. I'm not skeptical about what they're saying. I'm just saying those are just good calls that's what i mean right? though those are just smart good like you got a, a room of pretty intelligent people they're going to make some decent predictions
2: right yeah that's a you're, you're skeptical about whether or not this is coming from remote viewing which is me projecting right. my consciousness into the future versus right. Right. i just got a vibe that yeah. the coast is going to look rough in a couple years right all right, so let's get to 2060, Chris. That's where things really start getting lit, okay? Oh,
3: this is where things start eating up. Though. This is where it gets literally and figuratively.
4: Anyhow, I, so I started doing 2060, and what immediately became clear in the 2060 data, and I have a couple thousand people who have done that so far, was they, they, the 2060s kept talking to me about there had been this dramatic existential change across the world in human cultures. And I couldn't figure out what that was. You know, I thought well is it, you know, are we contacted by extraterrestrials?
0: Mm-hmm.
4: No, that's not it. I believe that what they're talking about is that between 2040 and 2045 we are going to have massive change because of a confluence of trends. Climate change the end of the carbon era—that is the end of carbon, uh, the internal combustion engine. Um, the rise of what I call Homo Superior, which I am very concerned about, the, the creation of another human species as a result of CRISPR genetic technologies.
1: Something physical, biological.
4: Yes, where they—you you, know—where you can change the human genome and. You can get a guy – you can have a child who's as smart as Einstein and athletic as Michael Jordan and as handsome or pretty as, you know, pick your favorite movie star. Yeah. Again, this is just guy making great calls. Like,
3: we have a confluence of huge problems in our society, top, top to bottom, man. The elites have problems. The masses have issues. And this, and it's not just in America, right? We have worldwide problems. Every country is going through issues. There's a confluence of reason why those are happening, right? Climate change is definitely a part of it. You know, inequality is definitely becoming a giant part of it. Like these are all going to have to be resolved in some way. Of yeah. course, God, I hope it doesn't take another 20 years for these things to get resolved. Like, that's going to suck.
2: Yeah, and I think it's just, uh, kind of like you were saying, it's just a good prediction. It's a good call right. for someone to say, we have all of these stressors from climate change, uh, income inequality, uh, extreme poverty, in the richest country in the world, and eventually something is going to break you know as maybe we could handle one or two of these but and then you add in like political instability and right extreme partisanship and it it just feels like it's going to keep getting worse until it blows up and then something will probably grow out of the ashes you know like a phoenix like well and i
3: and i think so many people are just like sitting around waiting for something to happen Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i just i feel that all the time where it's just like man there's just like this like energy that's just like looking to explode it feels like sometimes
2: well apparently this explosion is going to happen in 2045 is what God he's telling dude,
3: us
4: that's that's
2: that just
3: seems like such a crazy long long time
4: <laughs> and as i said between 2040 2045 something really radical is going to happen um I, I believe it's climate change end of the carbon era uh the change in in health care and the really big one, and boy, you can see this. I'm sure you've been reporting on it. And that is what I call the great schism trend, which is the, the trend that we are becoming two countries, the red countries and the blue countries.
1: Divided right down the middle.
4: So I see this great schism trend because when I asked the 2060s, this is even stronger than the 2050s. The 2050s described it as, as something that was occurring, but not that it had happened. But what I'm getting now is the United States still exists. It is still uh, uh, there's still a federal government, but real power has devolved down to the states or groups of states.
1: And we see that trickling down uh, now, Stephen.
4: Yeah, again, I I just don't feel
3: like there's any remote viewing happening, that this is (laughs) just somebody making calls. Chris, he has had thousands of people psychically view the future. Yeah, no, this is, I just, I feel like this is like group consensus futurology.
2: Yeah, just like, man, the vibes are pretty bad. Maybe the federal government is, you know, getting a little yeah. big. It's not functioning well anymore. What if we brought it back to the communities or yes. localities or the states? Yes. Like, these are things people actively are arguing for right now.
3: Right. And, and of course, there's the power vacuum mm-hmm. and people are going to get tired of the reality television show federal government and realize hey man local politics and state politics are really what affect me every day it's a little like it's wish casting a yeah. little bit right it's kind of like well it's going to think there's a lot of bad stuff that's going to happen but there may be some good stuff happening and i think there's along with the wish casting i think that there
2: is a legitimate desire to want to have impact And when everything is so far away and so large and overwhelming, it's difficult to have any sort of impact, you know, Uh, when it's, things are being decided at a federal level, it's like, well, what am I going to do? I get to cast a ballot once every four years for some asshole who uh, is 80 years old and I don't like, like, that's not fun.
3: Yeah. We're Americanizing the, we're Americanizing the issue a little bit, but I actually think it's, it's pretty, that this is a a common trope in other countries as well as that Mm -hmm. the the central government right has forgotten about the the periphery and the thing is is that the vast majority of the country is the periphery right Mm -hmm. like the vast majority of us don't live in la new york city or washington dc the vast majority of us don't right and I think a, a lot of people have forgotten that and I think you again you go to uh, you go to France and the same it people are complaining about Paris. I mean shoot the, the Parisians are complaining about Paris, right? So um and I imagine you would find this sentiment in China as well.
2: Yeah? No, I think that's definitely fair. I think you're right in that it is more global right now. Um but you know, my experience is America baby. That's what I know. That's what yeah. I feel true um now chris last bit on the future and then we can jump to a couple callers
4: As exactly as far-fetched as it may seem we are going to be living in 2060 in a country where most people live in smaller communities where uh medicine has changed very fundamentally much more holistic um where race and gender issues which are tearing us apart now are no longer an issue uh gender equality is no longer an issue racial uh r- 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 racial identity is no longer an issue those are good things that's true uh, it's pretty pretty utopic nice little vibes right
3: yeah dude i mean it, it, it's wish casting i <laughs> mean and and quite honestly funnily enough He's kind of creating the world that I would want to create like small communities that kind of govern themselves.
2: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a little anarchic, honestly. Um, right. And I think right. this is where horseshoe theory comes into play where I feel like on the right, they want to get rid of the federal government, but on the left, they also want like this more communal space. Right. They want yeah. like local food, local yeah. farming, a bunch of that stuff. I'm like, let's bring it all together, baby. Let's yeah. let's do it. I'm here. For, I think we can really bridge the the schism like he was talking about through this kind of system.
3: And I totally again, I totally buy that in this kind of idealistic future, like we you essentially have the Elysium bubble, right, where you can yeah. just go in to a little device, lay down and it takes care of whatever issues you are having right it can just like fix you
2: just immediately and I kind of believe
3: that's kind of how it is going to work right yeah it'll be fun
2: it'll be nice
3: and so you got that and then you got we're already seeing this one the one that we're seeing is the advent of 3d printing dude and i think 3d printing is going to change our ability to create these little small communities
2: yeah Yeah, especially with uh, the ability to like 3D metal print as well, where we can make machines like this. This is a weird call out, but ISIS was 3D printing guns, right? And 3D printing bullets like you can make functional machines that can do a lot of preferably not, you know, weapons. But it is something that folks have done in smaller communities that have been cut off from the world. Uh, So I, I think it could be a way of like sourcing local resources. Uh, and providing for community in a way that you don't need you know freaking walmart anymore right so there's that well chris you want to get some to
3: uh some callers i would love to i can't i don't even know i can't even guess what <laughs> people are calling about
2: so do you remember the old uh bible bullets and beans man <laughs>
3: We haven't talked about that. Yeah, him a dude. It's like Conrad or something like that, right? Uh, well, he calls in. He calls in. <laughs> I love this guy. He calls in a lot. I'm a, I'm a Bible bullets and beans, beers, barbecue. Oh, my God, dude. I loved him. Okay, let's go.
0: I kind of
4: wanted to hit Steven on this. He has a biblical name. You know, they call me the God, guns, of gold, man, the Bible bullets and beans, man.
1: Stephen's yes, back, believe, I'm told. So go ahead. He's
4: back. Okay. Anyway, I believe in the uh, Revelation and in the Bible. Now some people believe in the Rapture and some don't. I don't believe in the Rapture. But I believe Satan has his ships and the Savior has his ships. And these aliens are to me angels, whether they be God's guardian angels or fallen angels. And he was talking about the aliens having sex with the women and forming hybrids and stuff. And this to me is what I see. I, You know, I was a military police officer had top secret clearance. I think we'll be under nuclear attack in the next few years.
1: Well, the remote viewers, Stephen, you're back with us, right? Yeah. The remote viewers did not see any nuclear holocaust, did they?
4: They don't see any nuclear holocaust, and the reason is simple. Because if the Russians were to attack us or the Chinese, whatever, we would attack them and it would end up destroying civilization.
3: That good old mutual assured
2: destruction always going hard for us, dude. Dude, I had no idea where he was going with that question. And then he ended it in the weirdest place, which is like, you know, because he was. Nowhere in this interview were aliens having sex with humans discussed. Uh no. He was just going full no. book of Enoch.
3: <laughs> no, we didn't get really he kind of briefly mentioned the alien theory when he was saying why did things radically change? But other than that, yeah. That was the only time aliens were mentioned. That was awesome. That he went was totally He went crazy. <laughs> yeah. That but, was Revel- I believe in revelations and the alien hybrids <laughs> having sex with humans. That
2: uh, was awesome, d- dude. These callers are incredibly chaotic. Um. All right, so we got a we got another who thinks that the world might end in 2060 and wants some more details
0: on it. Well, oh, thanks. Uh, this is my question. Uh, Haley's comet is scheduled to return back to Earth in the year 2060, and I think Isaac Newton predicted the end of the world would happen in the year 2060. And is that all true? Sure. Right? Can you say that again?
4: I didn't hear...
1: Haley's Comet comes by around 2060. And,
4: uh, 2050. And in by 2060, I didn't hear the last part of his sentence.
1: Isaac Newton may have predicted the end of the planet. Did, oh. Do you see any of that with the remote viewers?
4: No, I don't see any end of the planet. What I see is just a radically different world. Um different in both its technologies which are extensions of the existing technologies mostly what i see is a change in the existential consciousness of the uh, society i hope he's right i hope he's right
2: the vibes get so much better
4: yeah
3: i i'm down for the posi vibes the communal atmosphere the small groups we're all kind of doing for our community and improving our whole lot in life through like collective but it also sounds or maybe i'm wish casting now there is ability for us to express ourselves individually right like it doesn't sound as if like we're all wearing gray and like marching to like the the factory whistle right like to me this sounds like a much more positive self-governing kind of liberal, almost libertarian utopia right and i think a big part of it's almost it's all you're totally right it's horseshoe theory it's libertarian communism
2: yeah which is great it's where it all comes back around. That,
3: yeah, that's the best. It really, it's the best of both worlds, right? Yeah. It's the best of both worlds. You're going to be fulfilled. You're going to have everything you need in life to survive. And you're not really going to have to worry. And you're going to be a part of a community. What, that's what it should have been the whole time. It's what we've been doing for so long. And we just stopped.
2: We just stopped doing that. <laughs>
0: that's
2: what it should have been the whole time <laughs> well we got one last caller chris who has a uh, interesting question about reality
0: this i am concerned that remote viewing and prophecy looks at the universe as one dimensional in other words past present future the future is fixed and I'm not sure that the universe is one dimensional. It may be multidimensional. We may live in a multiverse in which we select our future. Each individual selects the future that they wish to enter. And um, that say 2050 or 2060 are not fixed in time out there but that may be something that we create. This,
3: all the other callers are out here playing checkers. This dude playing 3D chess.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love that guy. He's great.
3: That was an unbelievable question. And I'm going to give him full props. He's right. You can't predict stuff like this.
2: Yeah. Again,
3: we can wish cast and we can probably make pretty good attempts at guessing what's happened, what's going to happen 20, 30, 40 years in the future. Yeah. Because of things that are happening right now, things that we see building up. But again, you're always going to miss things, right? You're going to miss things the technological advances that, that happen to deal with the terrible thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, healthcare, right? Like, yeah, the pandemics get super bad there for a second, but we come up with this thing that can just fix you. Like whatever's wrong with you. You just get fixed immediately and you yeah. go in there every once a month and you go and you get fixed. Yeah. That'd right. Be a great world and it takes 5 minutes. Yeah. And then you're fixed, right? You know what I mean? And you're right. And, then, and that that changes all problems in humanity. So many of them are based off healthcare things. And then you add on like and now you don't have to worry about food for whatever reason, right? Because like every community has a vertical farm that just like has all the food that you need for the community and everybody has a house because we have a 3d printer. You can just 3d print the materials. Right. And uh, we're, we're like, just have robot space miners just bringing resources and they just get dropped off to all the communities every couple months. You know, they, uh, they are 3d printing houses now, which is pretty cool. That exactly. Dude. This is what I'm saying. They can't do that. This is, we're so close. Yeah. We're so close to being able to do this and being able to do it on a mass scale. And it's just really going to take a couple of elites to be like, all right, let's just completely change humanity.
2: Yeah. Well, Chris, and that's
3: all it's going to take. That's all it's going to take.
2: Well, Chris, on a uh, scale of 1 to 5 nuclear bombs, what do you give a boy Stephen Schwartz in his remote viewing?
3: If he wouldn't have called it remote viewing, I would be giving it like a four and a half because it's like, yeah, dude, you guess pretty well. You had some great, intelligent, well-researched, well-educated guesses. Like, you know, oh, the coast is going to be inundated and places along riverbanks are going to be really bad. Yeah. Great. Do you know how many cities and how many human beings live on the coast and live on uh, a, a long riverway? It's billions <laughs> like the number may actually be in the billions of people who live in this. So, yeah, you get a rise in temperatures, you get stronger storms, you get that's going to be bad for those areas. Yeah, you better believe it. And it's going to cause some heartache. It's going to cause some friction. Yeah, okay, you're guessing right. We're going to have more pandemics. Yeah, that's a pretty good guess. That's a great guess. You know, it's like, I don't I don't know. And, like, we do get a little bit, though. He does, like, throw us a rope, at least, and be like, it's going to get pretty bad there for a second but then things change we have a a, a a renaissance right of how we think an enlightenment enlightenment 2.0 renaissance 2.0 and humanity changes kind of every way that we do things and it's much more egalitarian and and humanity is is working for itself and again I hope that. I believe that. I think that's what I see the right future for humanity is as well self governance yeah. on a local scale. That's awesome. He's speaking my language. Mm. But again, I, I didn't remote view that. I just like reading about history and like reading about government. And I like thinking about what the future looks like. So, I mean, I. I I don't know if we need the remote viewing. Now, is there something interesting to getting a group of people to sit around and think about this? I a hundred percent agree with that. Just like you know, having a group of people discussing any idea, it always helps to have people with a myriad of experiences throwing in ideas, right? And it's like they are coming to a probably hopefully better consensus when you add more people to the discussion now occasionally they're going to go wild right but there's that 50 percent success rate right Mm -hmm. we're gonna get things wrong a lot of the time a lot of the time we're gonna get things wrong and it's like well you're kind of getting things wrong a lot of the time if you're just wish casting so i don't really understand what the difference between wish casting and remote viewing is other than he's telling me it's different because he's telling me i'm actually remote viewing and i'm just saying i don't think i need that and i think there is a a real positive attribute of getting people around and sitting there and talking about it, an idea whatever it may be it could be as silly as you know what is 2050 going going to be like but you know we're kind of doing the same thing when we sit around and play Dungeons and Dragons with our friends right we're just like sitting we're talking about you know a, a whole different world right and we're goblins and elves and and dwarves but it's kind of the same thing to me right they're just kind of like cosplaying what the future looks like And they're not doing a bad job. They're not doing a bad job.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know if I have anything to add to that. I'm going to give them a one out of five because like you, I was not impressed. I want specific predictions. I want to know who's going to be president. I want to know who's going to win the next Super Bowl. I want something that I can actually check. And 2045 is going to have a bad vibe, but 2060 will be chiller. Is not too much of something that we can check off. Uh, the idea that rich people can edit their genes is something that's already happening and select attributes for babies is already happening. I don't right. think he gave us anything that isn't already in progress. Right. So right. I need right. more. Yeah. I need more specific yeah. predictions that would show that this is real. Yeah. Uh, I'm it's open all to gonna it.
3: Get, it's all going to get a whole lot crazier.
2: Thanks. Yeah. I'm open we- to it being real. I need more specifics that yeah. we can actually check.
3: Surveillance is going to get really bad. Yeah, think all right well that will be the show thank you for listening
2: we'll be back next week as always you can support us on patreon.com slash coast to coast pm uh appreciate you listening all conspiracy all the time later